0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready to go.
1: All right. What's good, Knicks Nation? Alex Harris here, a.k.a. The to Cat. Trattac- here. We're here for the first, the first game of the week preview show for the 2023-2024 NBA season. We got that home opener this Wednesday, October 25th. The New York Knicks will be will be hosting and facing the Boston Celtics. You can catch that game on ESPN at 7 p.m. And to help me break down this game is none other than Key Smith. You know I had to get a big Celtics fan to get in here to make sure we cover this game right. Key Smith who covers the league for spot track and you can go find his show the front office show awesome podcast if you want to know the ins and outs of the league from the business aisle and re- let's remember today's show is sponsored by underdog fantasy that's right we got a sponsor this time we got underdog fantasy sponsoring this show remember to use our promo code kftv to get up to a 500 deposit match you got Pickems, and you got fantasy also let's remember Play by play this season will be sponsored by Underdog Fantasy as well, so you can join JD and when when I pre, when I'm on the when I'm on the show as well, you can join us and do some pick'ems, do some fantasy. That way, you can enjoy the game with us in a different different level this year. All right. But remember, make sure to share share these show links. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. All right, Keith, my man, how you doing today, bro? How you feeling?
2: I'm good, man. I'm just excited. I'm glad we're we're finally to the regular season starting. This was like the off season that would never end as we had superstar mm. trades right up until the eve of training camp. And, you know, we're, we're, we're almost here. We're almost there for the real stuff.
1: We're almost here. We're getting to some of those trades, especially for your team, the Boston Celtics. There's two of them we got to discuss. But I got to start off with the show with this, man, because this is a Knicks show. Everyone's worried about it. Today is October 23rd. So for Knicks Nation, that means one thing. Today is the deadline for Emmanuel Quickly to sign an extension with the New York Knicks. The deadline is at 5 p.m. Eastern time. No deal has been circulated yet. So there's got to be a little bit of contention right there between both both parties. Do you think Emmanuel Quickly will get an extension today? Or do you think he's going to enter the season and finish off the year being a restricted free agent, Keith?
2: Yeah, I start getting a little nervous when we get, you know, around lunchtime on deadline day. And there's not right. even news out there that, you know, we're, we're hearing, you know, anything. So that, that always makes me a little little worried that maybe we're not going to get there. I, I would have hoped the Knicks would have got this done. I, I think no matter what direction the roster takes shape, he's a guy who fits no, no matter where you're going, you know, he can start, he can come off the bench, he can play in, you know, small lineups he can obviously uh run the offense if he needs to uh you know he's just a really good player and you know i I wrote months ago when i previewed the extensions uh for this draft class i wrote i thought something in the realm of like 484 uh Mm -hmm. with you know some bonus language in there the knicks have loved to put bonuses in contracts so over the last uh Several years under this front office group, you know, push him up to maybe ninety million total. That seemed mm-hmm. to make a lot of sense. I, I wouldn't have really screamed and yelled if it came in, you know, closer to a hundred, because I think he's a you know very good player. But yeah, we're we're gonna see. It's you know where we're getting down to. it. We get about four hours and change left to go. So so we'll we'll see. We'll find out.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely find out uh, and see what happens today. And I can tell you from a Knicks perspective, I hope they extend him just because. He's such a valuable asset to the team. You don't want to me, you wouldn't want him to enter restricted free agency just for another team to outbid the Knicks. And then you lose an important player who's helped you be successful for nothing, right? So, for I'm going to ask, and I just want to know if you could play devil's advocate for a second, Keith. Is there any way where you're like, you know, just what? Let's enter the season. What quickly show that he can uh, replicate? That same season last year, you know, he finished second in six man of the year voting last year. Can he do it again or take another level up? Is there any train of thought where you're saying, Yeah, I can understand that? Or do you think it's just, it would just be crazy for the Knicks not to get a deal done and let him enter RFA?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could make that argument of let's see if he can, you know, duplicate what he did a year ago. But I thought everything was kind of trending that way. He's not going to be, you know, a guy who, you're, I don't feel confident you're ever going to say, all right, yeah, you know, we're building a team around him, but you don't have to pay him like that, right? I mean, we're not talking mm-hmm. a max contract level player here. So, you know, I, I think, you know, when you really get into it from the Knicks side, yeah, maybe the challenge with the free agency Let's say he has another monster year. Let's say he actually wins, you know, uh, uh, six man of the year. And let's say, you know, his scoring average is up, you know, 17, 18 points per game and efficiency goes up and all that stuff in a contract year. Now what happens is you may have a team that comes in and says, you know what, we're in a spot where we can throw him a 25 to 30 million a year offer. Because our books are clean, we're in a great, great place. And maybe a team does something like that. And then all of a sudden, if you're the Knicks, you're like, man, we might've been able to get this guy like 22, 23 million a year. Now we're having to play the restricted free agency game and maybe match an offer. And that gets really messy. So I think you just got to be really, really careful and you have to be thinking about right now and have your long-term plan lined up for, all right, if, if, you know, if this does go into restricted free agency, we know what our number is, what our walkaway number is, and where we're willing to go.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said right there, Keith. And once again, I just hope that they get a deal done. Just because, look, I, I it's hard for me as of right now, especially with the Dante Divincenzo signing. You know, there's other there's other players on this team that especially at the guard position. It's tough. You got Jalen Brunson who's going to ask for 32, 36 minutes on this team. Like I said, you just got Dante DiVincenzo on a a stellar deal for 50 million over four years. You got Quentin Grimes. You got to think about extending as well on this roster. And then when you just keep going down the line, right, right. Even Josh Hart, RJ Barrett, like these guys like overlap at the two, at the two position. But even when you think about having quickly on this team and his aspirations of being a starter, it's like, I just don't see I don't see how he's long term in the long term future of the Knicks, especially with Jalen Brunson on the team. That's numero uno right there. And I and Tibbs is not going to run a small backcourt lineup. So that's for me is like, if you already, if like, if I'm the Knicks, I'm in that position. That's why I'm like, I can't, I can't go into RFA. I, I just can't because I just know at some point, I just, or I have a feeling. I don't. necessarily I know, but I have a feeling that he's not going to be part of the long term future of this team. So I just need to get a deal done and keep keep him on the books, so that way he can be part of like whatever bigger package to get that next player in here, the star, superstar, whoever it may be. That needs to happen. Um but let's keep the show moving on, Keith. Let's keep the show moving on because sure. I know everyone wants to know about the, the season opener between <laughs> the two most historic franchises in the NBA. You got the New York Knicks facing the Boston Celtics. And let's talk about the big trade that happened first, which is Marcus Smart being shipped out for Kristaps Porzingis. What were your thoughts when you saw that happen?
2: Yeah, my initial thoughts were shock because I never thought you know Marcus would be the one who goes. Uh, from the Celtics, he was the longest term uh, Celtic. He'd been there, kind of been through everything with him. It's, we we all draft these guys and then you get attached to them, right? And they, they kind of become your guy. And he kind of, you know, was emblematic of everything that, boston wants to be right they want to be tough they want to be scrappy the you know they're just your quintessential northeast city right like it's you know all right if we don't win the game we'll at least win the fight right like it always feels that way so i feel like with marcus smart that's where where it just was hard to see but when you had the news earlier in the day of the day of that trade that the celtics were getting poor Zingas and malcolm Brogdon was going out then you heard all right that's probably breaking down that's not going to happen when Boston pivoted so quickly within a couple hours to trading out Marcus smart, that tells me there was probably something already in the works uh, with Memphis, whether it was, you know, Hey, let's make a bigger trade or we're going to do it this way. Something had to have been uh, in play there. Cause you don't pivot quite that quickly into something else. So I think, you know, shocking, but I get it. They have been, yes, they broke through to the finals a couple of seasons ago, but that, Core group had been kind of beating their heads against the wall of Are we going to break through? Are we going to break through? Are we are going to break through? And they hadn't quite been able to get there. So I get it was time to try something different, and they they went you know small for big, which is not something you often see. And about mm-hmm. as no, I don't want to say as small as you can go because Marcus isn't that small. But you want about as big as you can get uh, yeah. with Porzingis, and we'll see you know how it all comes together. You know I, I have questions, but uh, I'm optimistic that I think it's going to work.
1: What are your concerns about Chrisoporzingis? I mean, you you alluded to it. So, what are they? Is it the he- yeah, obviously I mean, that, the health is number one. But what else? <laughs> yep,
2: that's that's it. That's the first one, right? Because it's not we're not in a position where you need them to play right now. It's you need them to be able to go April, May, and June if this team is going where they they want to be. And mm-hmm. we don't know if he'll hold up that long. I'm not really concerned about the defense. I've seen a lot of people say that. I think over his last couple of seasons, he's actually developed into a good defender as long as he's utilized properly. When you had teams had him chasing out at the level of the ball, he was never going to be that guy like that that just wasn't who he was but when it was hey we're going to use you and drop drop back use your size protect the rim uh if we play with a second big you know, come over on the weak side and help kind of almost in a pseudo roamer type position which boston has utilized quite a bit with robert williams i think he can be a really solid defender for them in that kind of scheme and then my other question is He's never been on a team where he's been anything less than really the second option. And on this Mm -hmm. team, he's going to be either the third or maybe even the fourth option in some lineups. And that's always a question of how's a guy going to adjust, right? Because that does that turn into man, instead of touching it every other trip, I'm getting it like every fourth trip in a scoring area. And does that Mm -hmm. turn into, I got to get a shot up here because I haven't got one up in a while. And sometimes that goes a little sideways. So those are the things that I'm a little concerned about. But I think for the most part, everything we've seen so far in the preseason, and in reality, who cares what happens on October, right? It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But everything seems to be fitting pretty well.
1: And once again, we're talking to Keith Smith of Spot Track and the front office show. Remember everyone to use... remember to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy, and you can use the promo code KFTV to get up to a $500 deposit match. And remember to hit that thumbs up button for your boys and remember to share these show links and salute to Knicks Nation and everyone tuning in right now. We got some of the channel members in here. I see Jamaica Queens in here. I see Gotta Be Legend. Shout out to John John Talento. You're in here as well, Junior Caroma. Let's go, baby. Let's go. We see Knicks one today. Let's go. We got Jay from Puerto Rico as well. Salute to all of you for tuning in for the lunchtime hour for the game of the week preview to get ready for this Knicks versus Celtics matchup. All right. All right, Keith, back to it. Look, you talked about it. KP being here, never really been. Like most is like second option. I mean, I guess you could kind of argue he was like that in between of like, second, third option. I mean, you got Kuzma and Bradley Beal on the Wizards, but Bradley Beal missed so many games that, you know, it was really Kuzma and KP for most of the time. So I I, I, c- I can agree with that, that usually it was the second option for, for most of his tenure. Yeah. Um, with the Celtics, there was, another, there was another deal, which is why it was like, okay, I can see the third option, but now I'm, I'm thinking more of him as a fourth option, right? You got Drew Holiday. You, I did not see this one coming, obviously, from a mile away because – At the time, it was Damian Lillard to Miami, stalemate. But then once you see – once the Damian Lillard uh, deal broke, then it's like, ah, I can see Boston going in here to get somebody to replace Marcus Smart because, look, you lost the heart of that team. You lost the defensive identity of that team with Marcus Smart. You also lost Grant Williams, too. We'll we'll get to some of the the other guys that were lost in the whole, I guess, the explosion and the the reshaping of this (laughs) new Celtics team. But you get Drew Holiday in here, and Drew was – third option on on the on the Bucks or sometimes a second option depending on if if Middleton was healthy or not so for me I see Drew as being that third option for the Celtics KP being the fourth option but walk me through the the Drew Holiday trade as well we're gonna get into the details of that as well
2: yeah that one definitely would never have been in play if the Bucks hadn't traded him for Damian Lillard because there was just no way Boston was going to get to him, So I think the interesting thing was, I think Celtics looked at it and said, all right, you know, now we got to figure out how to defend this Milwaukee team, right? They're going to be so hard where Giannis is already a challenge. Now we got to deal with Damian Lillard. Derek White is really good, but we traded our other guy, right? We traded away Marcus Smart. We need somebody else who can step up and do a lot of things. And I think for the Celtics, you happen to have Malcolm Brogdon, big part of the matching salary wasn't really happy because he basically been traded uh, to earlier in the off season before it fell apart. Uh, he was pretty clear like, Hey, I'm going to do what I have to do, but he was also injured. And he last season said, it was like in March when asked about everything, he said, yeah, you know, I, I don't really like coming off the bench. Like I, it's not what I want to do. I'd rather start. I've always <clears throat> been a starter and that was never going to happen in Boston, just with the way the team was structured and built. So I think to put it all together, was, are we going to kind of answer this, this box move to get Lillard? And guess what? The best way we can get is by getting the guy they traded away to get mm. him. And they, they, they made it in. And I think, you know, Brad Stevens and the ownership group get a lot of credit for taking the approach of, Hey, we're in for a penny. Let's be in for a pound. If we're going to be expensive, we'll be really, really expensive, but we're going to put together a top six. That's pretty in My opinion pretty tough to match, you know, across the league with, you know, the guys that they're going to roll out there, you know, night to night. And again, you have the same kind of questions. Holiday, like you said, always been the second or third guy on this team. He's going to be the third, maybe the fourth guy. But I think Drew Holiday is also at the point in his career where we see veterans often say, I don't, it's about winning now, right? It's uh, I don't really need a bunch of shots. I don't need a bunch of, you know, plays where I'm running everything So I think they did as well as you could with replacing Marcus Smart uh, with Drew Holiday uh, with this trade. Yeah, they lose Brogdon, but I I don't know where that was going to go anyway. And I've had my doubts. He's had exactly two healthy seasons in the league, his rookie year and last year. And last year he broke down at the end of the year, so I wasn't exactly counting on another Mm -hmm. healthy season out of him. So. Yeah, we'll 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 see their benches get some questions for sure. Uh, they're gonna have to you know, piece some stuff together and figure some stuff out. But you know that that starting group and whoever ends up the sixth man, they it's gonna be pretty tough.
1: Uh, it's 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 an interesting group to me, Keith. I mean, I look at that starting roster. It's already noted that will be Derek White, Drew Holiday, J- uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Christos Porzingis. Right, you're gonna have Horford coming off the bench. You got Peyton Pritchard. I mean, it's just interesting with that entire unit. Because, like, Derek White was, you know, that hero in, in game six against Miami, too, right? He's another yeah. guy that needs to get shots and-, and be part of this offense. I'm just, to me, like, they look, they looked fluid in preseason against the Knicks, and preseason's preseason. Fives are immaculate to begin the season, but. It's always about January, February. Once you get into the middle of the season, it starts to get a little bit tougher and guys got to like really walk in and hone in and still keep like what the big prize is. Are are you confident with how this roster is shaped that they can do that? Because we're talking about major changes for everybody, right? I mean, Derek White is going from being a guy who's going to get a lot of touches, who's a big part of that offense to being like, all right, where's my pecking order right now with drew and KP KP. We already know the pecking order is dropping drew holiday. You talked about, he could be a vet. He's a vet. He's he's already won a championship. He's had a lot of experience in the league. He's probably about winning, but still, like, there's a little bit of an ego there. I'm not saying he has an ego, sure. but there's a little bit of ego, like where you want to compete, you want to show and look. He got traded from the Milwaukee Bucks. He's now he was he wanted to retire in Milwaukee. That's what he said. Now you get traded. Sure, it's for a top player like Damian Lillard, but he was part of that championship winning team, and you know he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder when he faces the Milwaukee Bucks not only during the regular season, but what if they do meet, uh, meet in the postseason as well? So. There's a lot going on, man. And, and you know, like, and, and saying that, that's where I'm like, I don't know how all of this is going to come together, but how confident are you with everything coming together for the Boston Celtics?
2: I, I think it'll be bumpy early. Uh, I think it's just going to take them a little while to figure things out. I, I always go back to that first year that the Heat had uh, Wade, Bosch and LeBron, right? And it was like, everybody basically said, well, right off the season, it's over. More They were like 10 and 10 or something like that. And everybody's like, Oh, I guess this didn't work. It's just going to take a little bit for everybody to figure this stuff out. The one thing I also worry about is, all right, so let's say by the time we get to Thanksgiving or so, all right, we've kind of figured this out. We're starting to hit our stride. Invariably there's going to be, whether it's injury related, just, just the way it goes, there's going to be like a three game losing streak in the beginning part of January or something like that. And then are the guys who are right. Al Horford's never come off the bench in his career. You know, outside of his, you know, early in his rookie season and a little bit in that mess in Philadelphia. Is he (laughs) going to be okay to say, man, like if I was starting, maybe, you know, X, Y, and Z would be different. Uh, You know, Derek White, it's everybody can say all the right stuff in October right? And they'll say it for a while, but the, that's where that ego part of it comes in. And, and to your point, it's not a bad thing. You know, you don't make it to this point in the NBA without having some level of ego about who you are as a player. That's everybody there in the league. So I just, I do worry, you know, are they going to get through the hard parts of the year where it is where we're just going to make it through it we're going to play through it and and get there and then the bench it's it's a lot of one skill guys that they're bringing in off the bench that can be okay because if that's all you really need them to be that's fine it's more if if you have an injury or two, and it's something where guys are out for, they're not out for a game or two, they're out for weeks or a month or whatever it is, those guys need to step in and play a little bit more. And the, that part I'm a little less certain of. So I think that's going to take a little bit of work for Joe Missoula and the staff to figure that out and can they coach those guys up and put them in the right positions. But overall, yeah, I'm pretty confident in this group because I think the guys they brought in, all their skills mesh really well together. And mm-hmm. I think you have a lot of versatile lineup constructions you can go to where the last couple of seasons, they'd kind of pigeonholed themselves into we have to play this way. With Ime Udoka, it was we have to play with the two two bigs and that's it. And with Joe Mizzou last year, it turned into, all right, well, we really got to play a lot of five out with one big, uh, with the floor spaced around that. And it, it started to become a little a – little, uh I guess easy to defend to some extent. No, I, I don't want to say easy because they were still really talented guys, but this game mm-hmm. had no real unknowns left to it where now you can run a lot of different stuff and a lot of different looks and that that's going to be big. I think for their versatility, for the way they play and the depth of the star group gives them the ability to, Hey, if somebody needs a week off, cause they roll an ankle, take the week off. You don't need to play through that. That's not something you got to do where, you know, last couple years i feel like guys felt a little like now i gotta be out there i gotta play i gotta play
1: absolutely and once again we're talking to keith smith of spot track and the front office show remember to support our sponsor underdog fantasy use our promo code kftv to get up to a 500 dollar deposit match and remember to hit that thumbs up button for your boys I didn't say it at the earlier at the beginning of the show, but this is a call-in show, everybody. So if you have questions for Keith, you have questions about the matchup, whatever it may be, even the quickly extension, you can call in. We got the Discord. We got the lines open. So make sure to do so if you if you want to get your takeoff. Also, salute to Knicks Nation for tuning in as always. Well, Keith, I hear everything that you're saying about the Celtics. I ha- I'm like, I guess, I know you're a Celtics fan, so I know like I would be very confident. I'm confident about my Knicks, right? <laughs> Just because we got, and the thing is, we got continuity, right? Outside of Obi Toppin, we got Dante Divincenzo. We have our own questions of how the fit's going to be, the the size reduction in the sense of like the height scheme, right, amongst the players. Like you lose a guy who's a traditional power forward now for a guy who is more of a two guard uh, and a one in the league. So how is that going to work out defensively? We saw through the pre- uh, preseason. We still have that issue of guarding the three pointer for the New York Knicks. But I'm still confident that with continuity for this team that you could take it to another, you could continue to like work off that success they had the previous season. And that familiarity with everybody is more of like insurance for me that you can at least make it back to that same spot, whether or not be exactly, but just success, right? Like if you're competitive in the first round and you go seven or whether or not you make it back to the second round, right? It's like, I could feel that for the Knicks based on how this roster is. I know that everyone's just familiar with each style of play where everyone's going to be on the court. I have that confidence and that's why with the Celtics for me I'm just like like that's a lot to learn man and it's a lot to ask to say like all right we're championship contenders like there's very few teams that in year 1 with a new roster to go all the way and go the distance and 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 win it so for me I'm like they're a really good team I think it's going to take like another year for them to really go do it but I can understand the confidence uh, and like for all Celtics fans, including yourself, like why you think it's going to be a good team. You got talent. Talent's going to take you through the regular season. But it's always about can the postseason, can you live up to it? And, and speak about living up to the postseason. So I got a question about Joe Missoula, man. Because let's talk about Joe. This guy was under fire in the in the playoffs man this guy was like is he gonna have a job is this guy going to be around to coach this team again because it looked like it was about to be an utter collapse against the Miami Heat being a Heat being up 3-1 against the Celtics it looked just it just looked abysmal but then they go on that run push it to a game seven his seat is safe if you're asking me I never thought he was under fire I thought Brad Stevens was not going to fire him just because He's a year one coach. The situation with Ime Adoka and how everything unfolded and how he had to leave. I'm just like, that's very hard for me to say, like, you're going to fire a guy after year one where he was not expected to be a head coach coming in. So the fact that the team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, even if they, they went out the way that they did, I was still like, it's pretty hard. Like, I know the chatter was like loud to fire him, but I was like, I just, I just don't see it. But what are your thoughts about Joe Missoula this season? Are you, are you confident in him?
0: What what are your whole thoughts on Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed on him right now.
2: Yeah. I'm excited to see what it looks like where he actually had like a whole summer to plan um, with what he wants to be right well what do we what do we want to be as a team versus let's try to do this on the fly because i think people people forget just how late he got the job it was literally right on the eve of training camp that he did there was he mays out he's initially suspended and joe missoula's this is his team now and and that's that's hard and then on top of that they lost Will Hardy, who was one of the top assistants. He had gone to the Utah Jazz. They had lost a couple other lower-rung assistants. And then midway through the season, Damon Stoudemire, who had become Missoula's top guy, he was out, too. He, he left to take the Georgia Tech job. So so it really just turned into, all right, figure it out, man. Like, it's you know, it, it sink or swim time, and you got to go. And I was right there with everybody not everybody, but the folks who were like, when they were down 3-0 to the heat and it looked like an embarrassing sweep was coming, it was like maybe they do need to make a change. He got them to fight back, and, and who knows what would happen in that Game 7 if Jason Tatum didn't get hurt you know, literally a minute into the game uh, with a sprained ankle and then clearly shouldn't even have been out there the rest of the way. Who knows how that would have went. I think this year with Sam Cassell on the bench, with Charles Lee on the bench, with these veteran guys – I think he's gonna have a much better plan. Clearly, he got a little bit of a curveball with Drew Holiday, but I think you just basically say, all right, whatever we're gonna run with uh Malcolm Brogdon, that same stuff we can run with Drew Holiday. We'll just, you know, plug it in and off we go. And and I, I think he's got all the pieces. So it's really gonna be, you know, outside of butchering his rotations and doing silly stuff, which I don't think he will, I I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. I'd like to see them be a little less dependent on the three ball. I think that was a big part of getting Porzingis, right. Was, Hey, let's at least get somebody. We can get a switch. We can throw it to him 15 feet from the hoop and he can shoot a turnaround. Right. Like, like that's, you know, at least something we have there versus, you know, all right, let's work it around and find another three pointer. So we'll see how that comes together. But you know, I think he kind of is what he is. And I think to some extent Brad Stevens said, All right, if you're gonna shoot a lot of threes, let me at least get you a bunch of guys who can shoot a lot of threes. Like, like we're we're gonna, you know, you're really not gonna play any non-shooters on this roster. Like it's gonna be everybody out there you can trust. Like if they go up with a shot, you you can feel pretty good about the chances it's gonna go in.
1: Are are you do you like that idea with the Celtics being so three point dependent heavy because I know each team has like their own different identity and the whole purpose like of any team is like we're gonna try to be the best at what we do to like the hundred percent max, but still like I always feel like being a little too dependent without that versatility, it's it's your Achilles heel, right?
2: Yeah, my worry is you just put a lot more variance into everything because every even the best three-point shooting teams have cold nights. And if that's all you you do and that's all you're dependent on you're when you have one of those cold nights you're probably going to lose so that part does worry me i think the if they what i don't want to see which i had way too much last year player breaks down the defense gets into the paint doesn't even look to score at the rim it's an immediate kick out like let's try let's take those shots right i want to see jason tatum continue to become a foul merchant, right? Let's, let's get to the foul line, you know, nine, 10 times a game, like he's closing in on it. Let's get there. There's no reason Jalen Brown shouldn't be getting, you know, five, six, seven free throws per game, just with his athletic ability and the way he can get, get inside the paint. So those are the things that I want to see. I think that's where having drew holiday is going to actually help because I think part of the challenge was, and I love Marcus smart, and I think he's a better playmaker than people generally gave him credit for. But I think Tatum and Brown, because they'd kind of grown up with Marcus Smart, they were never going to cede that to him, right? It was always going to be, all right, we'll give it to you when we're trapped. Like, then you can go make a play. But I think now with Holiday, I think Drew Holiday is the kind of guy who can say, everybody just calm down. Like, let's settle down. You're one of those games where all of a sudden you had a 10-point lead. It's been back and forth, and now you're up by one he's going to be the guy who's going to be like, everybody just breathe for a second. Like, let's actually run something. Let's run a set. Or he's going to be like, Tatum, get your butt on the block. Like, I will get you the ball. Like, I will find a way to get it to you down there. And that's going to be the interesting developments that I'm looking for because I think they have a little bit more of a versatile offense this year, even if they're still going to be pretty heavily three-point dependent.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that Drew Holiday has to throw over Brown and Tim is that look, I'm a champion. You're not. Yeah, exactly. So, like,
2: yep, yep. <laughs> you're going to
1: listen to me regardless of what you, yeah, what, that's how you when feel that's Yeah, you about start yourself. flashing
2: this around, right? One of those rings yeah, Exactly. Every, every day. Yeah, in the locker room and make sure they know I'm the only one here who's got one of these.
1: Exactly. Not a winning band, but a championship win. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: it, yeah, he's got one of those too. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> for sure. But Let's get into this matchup, Keith. Let's get into this matchup. How, how do you feel about the New York Knicks as, as the opponents and coming into this season? Right, because last year Knicks owned the Celtics three one throughout the regular season. I was looking forward to that match. I want. I just wanted to get through Miami, face Boston. I was like, I felt through the roof confident against. I was like, we got these. We got this team's number. How do you feel about the New York Knicks this season and just the the as the opponent for the home over there?
2: Yeah, I mean, opening night's always a weird night because just, you know, and we we even, you know, I get it to some extent what people do with football because it's like one of, I was going to say 16, but one of 17 now. In basketball, like one one of 82, but it's like whatever happens opening night, like people are going to default back to it one way or another. It's like if a team wins and they go on to have a good. Really, it's like, I told you opening night, you know, or if they're bad, it's like everything I thought, you know, could be bad. That said, I think, The Knicks are just, they're a tough matchup for the Celtics because just because of the size and it's the size across the board, right? It's every position outside of Jalen Brunson. They have pretty good size at, right? R.J. Barrett's a big player quentin grimes has pretty good size on the two and then randall and robinson up front are you know they're they're just beasts that said last year in the regular season you know the Knicks didn't kill boston on the boards like and that's how they if you if you thought of like right, how they get three wins you probably think right, they probably beat them up inside and rip down a bunch of offensive rebounds it wasn't that the Knicks shot really well and they held the celtics more or less in check um, offensively. So I think that's going to be the things is can Boston spread them out and can they really hurt them that way? You know, can you get Porzingis to keep Robinson away or is it going to be, you can easily see a game where Porzingis takes 10 three-pointers opening night because Robinson's not coming above the free-throw line, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just, that's going to be how it plays out. But a big chunk of Porzingis, and they've talked about this, is it's not just that he shoots threes, but he'll shoot threes from five feet behind the line. And mm-hmm. what they really want to do is open up those driving lanes, right? Create more, even more space. So it's going to depend right now. If I'm the Knicks, I'm probably like, Hey, if we lose because Chris Haps Borzingis goes seven to 10 from three, I'm going to tip my cap and I'm going to move on to the next game. You know, so that's going to be an interesting matchup wrinkle there. And then for Boston, you just, you got to get on the boards, especially if you're going to play this, you know, smaller lineup to open the games It is funny. I do think people overrate the lack of size because I love Al Horford and everything he's been for Boston. He's just not a great rebounder. He never has been in his career. So I don't know that that's going to change all that much for them the way they do their work on the glass you just need tatum and brown brown tatum stepped up quite a bit on the boards last year brown could do more he should be a you know six rebound a night guy at a minimum um you know at this point in his career but that's gonna you got to take care of that you got to close out to the arc you know the knicks are going to come at him in waves with those guards off the bench right it's just going to be here's a new guy here's a new guy here's a new guy Hart back up four functionally for this team, it's not going to matter against Boston. They're not going to play any meaningful size at that position where that's going to hurt the Knicks. I think the Knicks just, this is a team they match up really, really well with uh, you know, across the board. It's really going to come down to can Boston spread them out and hurt that defense when the the starters and the closers are on the floor.
1: Absolutely, Keith, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And like when you watch last season, as you said, it wasn't the Knicks eating them up inside necessarily it was like the knicks made their shots like they made a lot of tough shots especially between brunson uh randall emmanuel quickly and so forth but the thing that the knicks did last year was that they forced the celtics to take shots they were not comfortable taking right like they didn't allow them to play their game of going inside out or outside in and if they were going to shoot three it was going to be it was going to be a challenging three right because where the the knicks really worked all the celtics that we're going to stop you from working inside the arc we're not going to let Jalen Brown, get a full head of steam downhill. We're going to make it uncomfortable for Jason Tatum to get a full head of steam as well. So I want to see if the, if that's going to be the same strategy for this season, because as you pointed out, it's going to be the the Celtics really revamped this team to be taking, to take a lot of threes. So if that's the new philosophy, that's where I have a little concerns for the next, like, are we going to adapt and just say, let's leave guys on the perimeter because Tom Thibodeau is always about let's protect the paint. Then we'll close out on the three-point shooters. But, as we saw in the preseason, even though it was our backups going against the Celtic starters, I'll not too not 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 doesn't bode a lot of confidence for me. When I'm like, why are we protecting the paint when everybody on that starting unit can shoot can shoot well enough? Right. Especially when it's Brown, Tatum, KP, Drew. Like those are your best three point shooters. And like Derek White here or there, but it's like still, that's not 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 a lot of confidence for me. But with that <laughs> – Well, that can
2: with... be – sorry to interrupt you, but it, no, it can be it. hard game one to be flying out to the to the line on your closeouts, right? Because it's just mm-hmm. – it, it's just you, you have to be be committed to we're going to run out at shooters over and over because especially if Tibbs, you know, particularly likes to play defense, like you said, it's going to be, you know, ice that sideline, drop back to big, protect against the paint. And if there is any kind of switch or any kind of hard hedge – the other guy needs to recover and you, you, your rotations have to be on point because that's the thing I think as Tatum and Brown have become better as passers and whether it's Porzingis or Horford, both of those guys can can pass and move the ball. And then obviously Holiday and Smart are Hooks. See, I'm going to do that all year. Holiday and White are good passers. Too like that if your rotations aren't on point, Boston will kill you because I think they've got a bunch of guys now who are willing to make that extra pass. And I think that's gonna be where it gets a little tricky for the Knicks if you're not if your rotations and closeouts aren't on point. Yeah, I mean, there's so many shooters. So that's where, you know, it's hard because you can't you don't want to tweak your whatever your defensive scheme is gonna be too much for one opponent. But I think that's where like if you go back to the way they beat the Cavs in the playoffs was hey, shoot, go ahead. You know, let it fly because I don't like. There's no one they were afraid of, right? It was pretty much all right. Hug up on Garland and make sure we're we're you know close to Mitchell. Everybody else on that team should have at it, man. Let it fly all game long because what we're going to bet, you know, that you're not going to make enough of them to to hurt us. And that's where you know with Boston that that becomes a tricky you know proposition. If you if if you are too worried about the pain they'll eventually find, you know, rhythm and they'll they'll start knocking them down. And that could be, you know, one of those games where all of a sudden we're at halftime and it's like, I already have 15 made threes. Like, what is going on here? Like, I think there's going to be games like that with the Celtics this season.
1: They did that in the preseason, Keith. And I was like, what is, they had 16 in the first half. I was like, what is going on? But I'll say this. Was
2: that the one though, where it was like the Knicks? Like, like, was that the one where they didn't play anybody? I can't exactly. I that was that him. one, but still, but still yeah. like still 60, yeah. 16 is Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Is, is, yeah. is that's just, that's just if that is just a showcase for what the Celtics can sure. do in a, in yeah. one half, I will, it's not, that's why I'm not feeling great, man. That's why I'm not <laughs> feeling great. And like we, it's games shit. Okay. You you guys didn't play. Cause you were on the second of a back-to-back. Uh, yeah. You didn't play your stars against the Knicks. And then we, we were the beginning of a back-to-back and we're like, we're not going to play our stars. Okay. We're going to see you guys opening night we'll see what this, we'll see what unfolds. We'll see what unfolds.
2: Exactly.
1: But the one thing I will say, cause you mentioned it, cause last season we didn't beat you in the paint. I'm, I think we got a better shot at beating in the paint. And that's why for my key matchup, this game is Mitchell Robinson versus versus Kristaps Porzingis. And let me tell you why, Keith, you got Mitchell Robinson. Last season was one of his better seasons. Okay. Last year he was averaging, even though the points weren't there, 7.4 points, he's averaged close to 10 in the past. He, Upped his rebounding close to 10. He was averaging 9.4 rebounds. He was getting, he upped his offensive rebounding game. 4.5, okay? Still getting close to two blocks per game. Dude was just on another level last season. He was healthy, strong for the most part. Played 59 games last year. And you saw what he did against the Twin Towers of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Went double-double. I believe it was like 18, 17, 18 points, 17 rebounds just to take them out in the Game 5 closeout. I'm, I'm looking, I'm liking what Mitchell Robinson is showing me this preseason because not only does he look stronger, he also looks faster. He looks more fluid with his motion, looks more mobile. I'm very confident. And when you got Christoph Porzingis on the other side, look, he's not a guy who likes to get into the paint and, and play back to the basket. He's not somebody who's going to throw a body at you and, and really get that type of physical, put, bring that type of physicality to the game. But I understand what the Celtics. Said. You mentioned it. He's, bare, he's there to improve the three point shooting, he's there to space the four. I'm still not even I'm still not even worried about that because Mitchell Robinson can guard anywhere on the court. He's just that versatile, pick and roll, no matter what it is. He's got that athleticism. But KP shooting threes, as you said, he can go seven for 10 he It'd be like, all right, can, can we stop here? Because he can get that, he can be a flamethrower. It doesn't matter if he's got a hand in his face. That's just who KP is. Obviously, the biggest thing for him this season is health, as we already discussed. But this is my big matchup for the game. I, I'm liking what Mitchell Robinson's going to. How it favors him in this, just because of the physicality and what he showed this preseason, and that's why I like these. I like this key matchup for the game, especially for the Knicks. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Maybe I missed it, and and I didn't see it over the summer, but I didn't see any more Mitchell Robinson 38 dribbles between the legs, launching 25 foot three point shots uh, videos this summer. And I actually kind of like that, right? I, I like that. I think he's now is like all right, I'm going to, this is who I am as a player. I'm going up and over you. Like, uh, I'm going to get these rebounds. You know, the way he played, you mentioned that Cavs series. Like, that was, that was his, like, coming out to, like, everybody who didn't watch in the regular season, right? Because that's, yeah, he was a monster in the Cavs. I'm not taking anything away from him. That's what he was all regular season. He was like, I'm getting to the glass. And I thought there was a different level for him of, no, I'm getting the rebound versus I'm more athletic than everybody else on the floor. I'll get my rebounds that way. Now I felt like it was, I'm, I'm after it. Like, that's my ball. I'm going to go get it. And I think that that's big for him. I thought he finished better. I thought his hands were better last year off passes. Um, I he, There was way too many his first couple of years in the league where he fumbled balls out of bounds. It should have been dunks, right? Or layups at a minimum. And I, I think he finally has really started to, round out all that stuff and defensively yeah i mean it's you know we're all going nuts and i did it too over the ridiculous uh blocked three-pointers one Banyama's getting but robinson's been doing that for you know what three four years now like he, mm-hmm. he he gets out to one or two of those every game so yeah if boston is loses this game because one player kind of kills them I think it most likely will be Mitchell Robinson. It'd probably be like Jalen Brunson has a huge scoring game and is just making everything. But if it's an, if it's a maybe a little bit of the under the radar guy, Mitchell Robinson. For me, my matchup that I'm looking at is Tatum versus Randall because I think Tatum's mm. going to have to guard Randall a lot, and I think Randall has the ability twofold. One, just do what you do. Don't settle for jumpers. Get all the way to the basket, right? Put your head down, get all the way into the paint, make your plays there. And if he can get Tatum into any kind of foul trouble, now you're the whole game changes, right? That becomes a completely different game. But yeah, I I think it's going to be, you know, there's a lot of fun matchups because I mean, you could go with Holiday versus Brunson, right? That'll be really fun. And then, you know, White will pick up Brunson plenty. And then you're going to have, you know, quickly coming in off the bench. Can anybody match, you know, quickly and Pritchard? I mean, that those two guys would love nothing more than play clear out, let us play one-on-one for, you know, 10 minutes each half and just go at each other. Both of them would love it. And I I, I have a feeling that would not go very well for Boston. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I just think, you know, yeah, there's a lot of fun matchups the way these two teams. Oh, there's yes a ton. To it. They're such Then they're such different teams, right? They're not, this is not one of those where it's like, Oh, we're playing our mirror image, right? Like it's more like, all right, these are two very, very different teams. And that, that to me, you know, it's old styles make fights, right? Like that's the thing, these two different styles. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them go against each other.
1: It's going to be so much fun. We're talking about a team that's ISO heavy centric between Randall and Brunson. And then we're talking about a team that it's not necessarily ISO heavy, but just three point heavy. Like, yeah. Tatum and, and Brown really know how to weave their like their shot selection in with the team. It, it, that I gotta give the Celtics credit for, even though you guys are the other day, it's out of me, man. Being in New York living in Boston myself, it's just it's 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 a pain, man. It's truly a pain. But look, there's there's a there's a lot of things. As you said, there's a lot of good matchups. And I want to I wanna lean on that Tatum Randall one because that is truly a different that's truly a different matchup, right? Because I look at Randall just being a just overpowering. That's overpowering Tatum. Tatum has gotten stronger over the years, came in as a toothpick. Now he's put on some good muscle, but nowhere near to what Randall is as a power forward. And Tatum, yes, a guy who's played power forward at times, but really a small forward through most of his career with Boston, especially in previous lineups. That lineup to me is just saying it's favoring Randall. I know physically and just like in the paint wise, but Tatum can easily flip the script on Randall and say, you know what? Let's see, can you guard me out on the perimeter? Can you keep up with my three-point shooting? Because that's, that. like, Randall's gotten faster, but Tatum, look, we're talking about, uh, I'm going to give Tatum his credit to being, uh, uh, you know, in the MVP conversation last season. Let's see if he can do it again this year. But Tatum, like, obviously, offensively, both of them can just, they're such polar opposites. That's why this. you mentioned, like, this team is just so interesting, man. It's just so, they're so polar opposites. But the Randall-Tatum thing, that's going to be interesting to watch as well.
2: Yeah, I mean Boston's best hope is you get the Randall, which, when it's not going good, is twenty dribbles and a contested fifteen foot pull up, right? If that's what he wants to play, Boston will happily live with that all game long, even if he's. Making, I pull my hair out. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. They're gonna they, they'll, they'll invite that. You know, I, I think you'll see not full drop, but you're gonna see Tatum. He'll give them a little bit of space because it'll be, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit of space. And then if it really starts getting sideways, they'll go big. They'll come with Horford. They'll play Horford alongside Porzingis. And they'll say, all right, we needed to get a little bit more size to try to get this under control. But yeah, that's why I think if I'm the Knicks, I want Julius Randle. Let's get the ball, get down inside. Let's try to get through Tatum. See if you can pick up a couple early fouls on him. Cause he will do that every once in a while. He'll still commit an early foul or two, and it'll get a little messy. So let's let let's see if that's the way that goes, because then that throws everything out of whack for what the Celtics have planned.
1: Absolutely. So, a few more things, and then we're gonna wrap and get out of here, Keith. We got. I gotta focus in on holiday because there's two there's two key aspects for holiday. One, how is this gonna? How's the? How will holiday? change the tatum and brown approach to like i know you say like calm down like get these guys in their sets like you mentioned it earlier in the show but how is he really going to change the tatum and brown approach because usually in the past it's always been like all right marcus smart you bring it up but as you as you mentioned brown you're really running the offense tatum you're really running the offense the way they staggered the, both of those guys throughout the middle of the games it's like it's just their show right and everyone else is just supposed to follow suit so how is that going to change with drew holiday now
2: yeah, I think it'll be somewhat similar. They're still gonna play through Tatum and Brown in the half court quite a bit. I think what Holiday will do a good job is all right, hey, we gotta make sure the big guy gets a touch, right? Like let's let's make sure. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna call a set here and we're gonna run something where I if I have to hold it an extra beat or two, I'm gonna do it to make sure Porzingis is involved. And we're going to call something to make sure he gets there defensively. We know he's going to be lights out because he always is. That's just what he does. But offensively, I think too, what you're going to see now is just a, he's a, he's enough of a better off the dribble playmaker uh, for others and a scoring for himself than Marcus smart was. So I think what you'll see is it'll be all right. Ball swung to him. The defense doesn't bend away from drew holiday the way it does against marcus smart so you're going to either see he's going to draw help uh to him or draw the hard closeout. then he can make it play off the dribble that might not have been there otherwise um that'll be a be a big part of things too and then just as a spot up guy you're not the teams even when marcus smart was in a good shooting stretch or had a good shooting year which he did have a couple Teams were still, that's the spot where we're sending help. We're going to send the help off him and make Tatum or Brown's life harder. You can't do that quite as easily with Drew Holiday just because he's a good shooter. And I will say, as much as I said, I'm a little nervous with Holiday. All right, what's it going to look like now that you're the third or fourth option on the floor? He has played his basically his entire uh, productive major years of his career as kind of the off another major player. So Giannis or Anthony Davis when he was with new Orleans, he knows how to be like, all right, they've got it. They're going to be the setup guy. I got to find my spots on the floor. And that's what I think will take a little bit of the time to figure out is all right, well, I can't run to my spot because Porzingis is already there or, all right, I want to be up here on the elbow, but Derek White's already spaced to the, end. that's where it's just going to take a little while for those things, because as much as NBA offenses have set plays and calls, a lot of it is a lot of it is concept based more than true run a full set all the way through. It's all right, here's the concepts we want to run. Here's how we get into them. And then from there it's all free-flowing. And that's what's just going to take a little while. I expect there to be plays where it's like, oh, we have three guys all occupying the same roughly area of the zone here for the Celtics because they're just not used to playing together yet. And that, that'll take a little bit of time to iron itself out. Last
1: question I got for you, Keith. Before I ask you, like, who wins the game? Uh, you got Holiday. You got Derek White. I know there it's going to be who, who's going to guard Jalen Brunson throughout most of the matchup? And is this the best defensive backcourt in the NBA?
2: Yeah, my guess is they probably go with Holiday on him to start. He, he's not that Derek White is not a good on-ball defender because he is, but I think they also like Derek White as a help guy a little bit, but they're both going to see plenty of time on Jalen Brunson. It'll be you know the two of them. in Boston, I, I think they will do I, outside of Porzingis, so I think they're going to leave to kind of play almost a one-man zone where he hangs out around the basket area. And I think they'll switch one through four quite a bit. So I think Holiday picks him up the most. Eric White will see him plenty too, but I think Holiday will be there. to your second question. It, it may sound like I'm a homer here, but it's hard to pick anybody, but they're two all defensive guys. <laughs> so when you when you have two all defense guys in the same backcourt, it probably is the best defensive backcourt in the league. And you know, I, I struggle to find one that's better. I also think one other part of it, why it makes it they both play, right? These are not guys you're worried about. Well, they're probably gonna get in, you know, 50 games apiece. Like they're on the, the court most nights. So so yeah, I, I think the combination of availability and skill, yeah, they're the best defensive backcourt for my money in the league.
1: All right. There you have it. All right, Keith. Who wins this game then? Is it, it, it you who are you gonna to take to win this game? Are you gonna to continue to be the homer and say the Boston Celtics are winning game one against the Knicks? Or are you gonna you're gonna come on Knicks fan TV and show our Knicks a
2: little love? <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to pick the Celtics just because I, okay. I, I I mean, one, I have to, right? I won't be able to show my face back home if I don't, Um, <laughs> you know, but I also will say it is, I just, I, I think sometimes these teams, when they're built like this, they want to come out and make a little bit of a statement. And one of their biggest problems at times has been focus over the last few years. They just don't always seem to be like where they need to be. Um, so as long as they're focused, I feel like they're going to be really good, ready to go. That said, if they come out and they're not playing the right way and their focus isn't where it needs to be, the Knicks will beat them because the Knicks are, they're good. There's no more with the Knicks where, you know, uh, we can just get through with a half effort. You have to play hard and you have to play, you know, smart to, to beat them. You know, the Knicks are, they're an established good team now, right? This is no longer maybe you know they could be okay like they're they're a good team like that's that's just it and when you play good teams in the nba you have to be on your game so as long as they come out focused which i think they will because it's game one they don't come out focused in game one i'm going to be a little worried about all right what are we doing what what is the last month been about you know if if you're not ready to go game one so so we'll see what it looks like but yeah i'll pick the celtics but it's probably going to be some ridiculous buzzer beater overtime nonsense because it just seems like oh my get God. At least one or two of those between these two teams every year
1: oh, that's, that's all i need man another overtime game i was at both of them at td garden last year i was at the one where it was a single overtime i was at the double overtime game where, where it was a manual quickly show but good Ward, man that's just all we need right another season over like two years ago where it's another ot game against this boston celtics man can't, can't have anything calm and easy between these two teams, but I, I wouldn't be surprised any other way. I'm going to choose the Knicks, though. I'm going to choose my Knicks. Tom Thibodeau was not pleased with how preseason looked defensively. I know he is reaming those guys out like, look, we are playing a top-tiered team. They're competing for championship aspirations. Let's go out there and show who we are on this on our home floor. So we're not going to let the Boston Celtics just walk in here opening night and take the dub. I'm going to go with the New York Knicks. I think they're just ready. I think the toughness, the grittiness, especially with Jalen Brunson, he's a guy who's never settling for anything. And I think the rest of the team has something to prove too, man. They went out. It was a tough out last year against the Miami Heat. I think they want to show that there's still this team that is going to be reckoned with in the East, and they're going to come out correct and ready to play. So with that being said, thank you for everyone for tuning for KFTV, for the game of the week preview. All right, we're doing these. We're back, baby. We're back. Game one of the season you know i had to bring on my guy keith smith to break this game down biggest celtics fan that i know keith thank you for coming on the show please let our listeners know where they can find you if you got any content or anything to promote
2: yeah you can find me on twitter x whatever we're calling it now uh at keith smith nba everything i write i, I link to there you can find uh, all my written work over at spot track we've got a lot of stuff go up recently about rosters and where everything's at, where we're right now, just making sure we get all the roster pages, salary pages cleaned up and ready to go for the start of the season with, you know, the final – Final rosters being due at five PM today, so uh, we're, we're working on that. I'll have some stuff about extensions tomorrow. After that deadline passes uh, later today, as well. So, so we'll kind of get into that, and then you can find uh, me on, uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday, on Front Office Show with Trevor Lane. Uh, we talk about the entire league, we break down all the latest news and notes, we get into transactions and trade rumors and all that stuff and then just you know with GameStar when we talk about games and what we're seeing from teams and everything like that so a great time to get in over there if you're interested
1: how a Celtics fan or Lakers fan do a show together is beyond me but you guys make it work salute to you guys man and continue the grind Keith and to Knicks Nation salute to all you guys for tuning in and tapping in for game of the week preview remember to support this show by hitting that thumbs up button for your boys remember to share these links. And if you can't catch it live, you can always catch on any audio on platform or on Apple, Spotify, you name it. You can catch us over there. Also, remember to go check out nixfantv.com. The season's back up. We got a bunch of great writers, so make sure to support the website as well. Also, support our sponsors. We got Underdog Fantasy this year. Remember, they will match up to uh, your deposit up to $500. $500, your first, your first deposit. And reuse a promo code KFTV when you do so. You can also catch JD. And even when I'm on there for the preview for any show, we'll be choosing, uh, we'll be choosing our picks for every play by play and preview pregame show that we do. So make sure to tap in and to join us in on the fun. Also, Gotta gotta promote this. We got a Knicks see. We got Knicks tickets giveaway to the home opener. Okay, make sure to go to any KFTV platform, Instagram, so forth, wherever. Go hit the link. Go sign up today. Two tickets to the home opener for Knicks versus Celtics. Get in on that. And remember to continue to support our sponsor Underdog Fantasy, who's helping us with that ticket giveaway. And also we got man we, we're back we're back we're, we're back in full action with us we got the kftv watch party if you're not gonna be at the game you still want to hang out with next nation we got the kftv watch party it'll be at the dean this season all right so make sure to go over to the dean uh 214th west, 3, 214th west 39th street in new york city all right make sure to go join next nation over there make sure to have fun because guess why we got happy hour we're going to have giveaways. You can enjoy the game with the rest of the Knicks fans out there. So make sure to go join KFTV at these watch parties as well. We got a lot going on. Season's back. Season's back. So let's let's make sure to get into the full swing of things because Knicks season's back, baby. All right, everyone. Appreciate you for all tuning in for Game of the Week preview. And let's get ready for that season over. We out.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.